0: I, and all of you, reject the lie. I call on all Americans to reject the lie. And I condemn those who spread the lie for power, political gain, and for profit. That's what it is. That is what
1: it is. I condemn them too. I got the feeling that something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is The broadcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW. Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York, Upstate on WLPP, Rochester, New York on WRFZ, Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX. Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internet's On the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us as we have been fighting like hell for... Nearly 20 years now to protect what's left of your democracy, so why should we stop now?
2: <laughs> Good point.
1: Welcome to the broadcast. Hello, Desiree. Hey. Some uh, maybe encouraging uh, news here before we get started with everything else today. Just breaking before airtime from the New York Times, which reports the Justice Department is said to have asked for the House panel investigating January 6th for transcripts in the clearest sign yet of a wide-ranging inquiry. Well, there you go. Hmm. That sounds good. Yeah. As we have been uh, suggesting, um, perhaps has been going on with the uh, Justice Department, despite the concerns from many that the DOJ and Merrick Garland are focused only on the low-level grunts who broke into the Capitol to stop the Electoral College certification of Joe Biden uh, while ignoring the much larger and uh, high-reaching plot that made it all happen. So some encouraging news there from The Times, if they are correct, just breaking before airtime today. More on that uh, as, no doubt, it continues to unfold. Meanwhile... As Stephen Colbert might say, voters were voting on Tuesday or at least trying to in this week, this week's critical midterm primary elections in Kentucky, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Idaho. And for some reason, I failed to mention this previously. I, I seem to have just missed it. Uh, And in North Carolina. (laughs) Yes. I don't know why I missed that. Sorry about that. Uh, Silly of me. If only because our good friend insurrectionist Congressman Madison Cawthorn is uh, is fighting for his political life against a whole bunch of Republican challengers in his district who have had it up to here with that nutball. So we will see if he survives uh, to face the continuing challenge, even if he does win the uh, nomination to run for reelection, He'll face the continuing challenge from the good governance group Free Speech for People, who are uh, challenging Cawthorn's eligibility to be on the ballot at all as they charge he violated the Insurrectionist Disqualification Clause of the U.S. Constitution, that's Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Barring those who have previously taken the oath of office from being able to serve after having engaged in insurrection or rebellion or have given aid and comfort to those who have. So, yes, we're keeping our eyes on North Carolina as well. (laughs) Of the five states uh, voting in midterm primaries on Tuesday, the biggest problems for voters at the polls that I've been able to find so far, at least sadly, have come out of Pennsylvania, which is also holding some very critical contests for U.S. Senate, for governor and, of course, other races this year. Um, Let's start here. An incumbent Democrats, Democratic state representative appears to have been the first to alert the media that Pennsylvania primary voters were having problems uh, casting votes on Tuesday morning. This particular state representative had those problems, leading to, he says, long delays at the polls in Berks County. That's the home of Reading, Pennsylvania. Democratic state Rep. Manny Guzman said he encountered substantial delay at his polling place this morning. In a press release, he blamed poll workers not being properly trained on Berks, Berks County's new voting machines, according to Pen, uh, according to Pen Live. He said, quote, when I went to cast my ballot today, what should have been a quick, simple process turned into a multi-hour ordeal. Oh, dear. He said a simple mistake took more than an hour and the personal intervention of the county election director to fix. Workers were not trained on the new voting machines, and the county provided no paper ballots to back up any potential problems. In fact, he said ballots are only being distributed today, hours after the polls opened. He said people don't have time to throw away on dealing with the failures of the county election officials who didn't make sure the poll workers knew how to operate the voting machines. He said the idea we might have people walk away from their right to be heard is unacceptable. It's voter suppression through incompetence at the top. Now, as far as I can tell, trying to figure all of this out from uh, reporting a little bit later, the problem does not actually appear to be on the voting machines as State Rep. Guzman uh, charged there, not on the voting machines, per se. Berks County now forces all voters at the polls to vote on 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen ballot marking device computers, voting systems made by es the nation's largest e-voting vendor, instead of, you know, verifiable hand marked paper ballots. Berks County moved to that system in 2020, but this year they added to that system electronic poll books Mm. as well, also made by ES&S at all locations rather than paper poll books to sign in voters. And it seems to be those computers that cause the problems for voters, either because uh, uh, e-poll books frequently cause problems, As you know, if you've listened to this show for more than a minute, (laughs) they cause uh, problems when they fail to connect to the Internet or as Guzman charged here, when workers are not properly trained on how to use yet another complicated computer system for the simple act of, in this case, signing in voters rather than old school, you know, paper poll books that always just work. As WFMZ 69 News in Berks County reported a little bit later, Berks County election workers are running into, quote, widespread problems with the county's new electronic poll books. The county received several reports of the electronic poll books, which are used to sign in. To be not working, according to Stephanie Weaver, public relations for Berks County, the county issued a statement at 930 a.m. That would be two and a half hours after polls opened at 7 a.m. in Pennsylvania, saying workers were distributing backup paper poll books to all locations in the county. Well, there's an idea. That they should have, you know, thought about long ago before opening the polls with these new untried electronic systems that have otherwise failed in election after election across the country previously.
2: So they had the backup paper poll books. They just refused to, to put them out there for two and a half hours when they could have just saved everybody all this time and done it right the first time. Put it
1: in place before the polls opened. You know, just in case. Uh, Weaver said the county doesn't think the problem is happening at all polling spots, but that it is, quote, widespread, unquote. Several voters told 69 News they had issues voting on Tuesday morning at the polls in at least three different locations. The electronic poll books were used at several locations in the fall election last year. But Tuesday's primary is the first election with all precincts using these new Uh, apparently uh, complicated, difficult, and or failing machines. Meanwhile, in Allegheny County, which is Pittsburgh, several polling locations were late in opening, two and a half hours late in some cases, as CBS Pittsburgh reports, which means those who wanted to vote before work in the morning rush were unable to do so. Poll workers said there were two reasons that they couldn't open on time. Either someone did not show up to unlock the door or the elections judge did not come due to health issues. Voter Linda Watson went to the church in Ross Township twice to try to vote, could not get inside. She said she threw away her mail-in ballot because her plan was to vote here in person. She said, I'm very frustrated, very upset that not just in this essence, my right to vote is taken away, but so many other people are given obstacles to prohibit them from voting. Watson said she called the elections office but couldn't reach anyone. Allegheny County spokesperson Amy Downs said they add extra staff on Election Day, but the call volume apparently still exceeded capacity. She also mentioned they had a number of call offs uh, from uh, uh, staffers uh, due to COVID-19. Oh, yeah, that's still a thing, in it? Uh, Well, at least Allegheny has enough respect in Pittsburgh for its voters that they allow them to vote on hand marked paper ballots at the polls and to sign in with paper poll books if and when they're able to open up the polls in any case. Meanwhile, in Luzerne County, like Berks, another Republican leaning county, it's not entirely clear what the problem was other than kind of all of the above As far as I can tell at this hour in Luzerne County, which has had uh, a number of problems over the years Uh, in Luzerne, they also use 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen ballot marking devices and electronic poll books. According to WBRE today, voters were reportedly finding voting machines down in certain places in the county, which has had, quote, well documented issues with elections in recent years, according to this report. Many voters in Plains Township were frustrated and some were downright angry. Many could not vote because there were problems with machines. Election officials say the problems were the result of human error on behalf of poll workers. So they seem to be throwing their own poll workers under the bus instead of taking responsibility for giving them overly complicated systems and or not enough training to use them. Okay. by the way, I'm old enough to remember when these uh, same uh, election officials would criticize me, claiming that I was attacking poll workers when pointing out failures with the voting systems that happened at the polls. Eyewitness News started receiving calls from voters from across the county just after 7 a.m. when the polls opened. Voters described... A wide variety of issues. The majority said the voting machines were not up and running. Pam DeSinti, a Plains Township resident, said, quote, it's actually more than frustrating now. I'm mad. We're all mad. There's a whole bunch of people waiting to vote. They're Republicans and they can't get out our vote. She said, because I guess Republicans deserve to be uh, able to vote more than Democrats. Not sure what Pam meant by that. Well, Pam
2: sounds like she feels entitled as a Republican that her vote should be counted more quickly than others.
1: Well, good, because at least when it happens to Republicans, maybe someone will fix the problem. Ron Wink, Sr., uh, also a Plains Township resident, said it's extremely frustrating, extremely frustrating last year when we voted for president. We were out on the street waiting two hours. I don't think he means last year. I think he means last time back in 2020. Denise Williams is the chair of the Board of Elections in Luzerne and said many of these issues were caused by human error. It's not her fault or the Board of Elections fault for choosing complicated, crappy voting systems instead of simple hand marked paper ballots, which don't need to be booted up. She said, quote, you know, you get some user error, you get some poll workers, assistants calling in, had a couple of judge of elections at the last minute, not able to make it COVID related, she said. Williams says the problems were not global systemic problems, but isolated issues. She urges anyone who had to leave a polling place to return and vote. The Polls in Pennsylvania close at 8 p.m. if they can swing by again. So, you know, no biggie. Just make another trip to the polling place. Luzerne's director of elections, Michael Susack, who uh, was just hired last December, he issued a statement, uh, which I Appreciate. Uh, he said, quote, our poll workers are doing a fantastic job and sometimes they need assistance, troubleshooting. Good. Thank you for supporting your poll workers, Michael. Unlike the chair of the Board of Elections who threw them under the bus, uh, he said, since 545 a.m. We have addressed a steady stream of minor routine issues ranging from poll workers entering passcodes into the wrong field to not turning on the battery units. Our Election Day support team includes our full-time staff, techs, uh, technical phone support, on site representatives from our equipment vendors. What are they doing there? And a team of rovers that can be deployed to any location that needs assistance. Well, I'm sure they'll get all of this straightened out. And everything should be working perfectly by November. <laughs>
2: Well, it's so very nice of them to say that it doesn't appear to be a widespread issue, but then to have so many widespread reports, reports of faults. Problems. And pro- but it's not. Don't don't think it's anything that might be no. systemic or a problem with the actual system. Itself. No,
1: no, of course not. Everything's fine. Much of Pennsylvania, of course, has for many years now used 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems uh, as of 2020 they were finally able to move to hand-marked paper ballot systems if they liked, thanks to a bipartisan law that was uh, passed by the uh, uh, gerrymandered Republican legislature signed by the Democratic governor prior to the 2020 elections. Sadly, however, many of the counties around the state took the opportunity not to move to hand-marked paper ballots, which don't need to be booted up, And don't require, uh, you know, electronic poll books. They instead moved to new unverifiable touchscreen voting systems. And now they have added electronic poll books since then. So this is the result. And they spent a lot of money doing it. Yes, they did. As to the results of the actual elections on Tuesday, we will uh, have results whatever they may, whenever they may be, whatever they may be available on our next broadcast with many eyes specifically on Pennsylvania on Tuesday, particularly given the open U.S. Senate seat that's being vacated by Republican Senator Pat Toomey this year. That seat is seen as one of the Democrats' best chance for a pickup in the U.S. Senate. Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, who suffered a minor stroke over the weekend, but says he's doing just fine. He's currently the front runner for the Democratic nomination, and on the Republican side, well, it's anyone's guess at this point, as the three contenders are are all falling over themselves to be the Trumpiest, including TV doctor Mehmet Oz, who has uh, Trump's endorsement in that race. Also, David McCormick, a hedge fund billionaire who claims to be the normal, not insane Republican in that race. But he's hired Donald Trump aide Stephen Miller to work on his campaign. So. We'll let you be the judge of how Trumpy that guy isn't, is or isn't. And then there's the farthest right winger, a woman by the name of Kathy Barnett, who's a QAnon supporter, an opponent of Muslims and LGBTQ people and a 2020 election denier who was at the U.S. Capitol insurrection on January 6th, who is said to be surging in the polls at the last minute in recent days in a race that is believed to be a dead heat. So fun in Pennsylvania, at least if anyone can vote. No matter how crazy the candidates may be, nonetheless, all voters of any party or no party deserve the right to be able to cast their votes easily and in a way that they can know that they have been counted as per their intent. Unfortunately, those in Pennsylvania and elsewhere this year who are voting on touchscreen ballot marking devices will never be able to know one way or another whether their vote was counted as per their intent. So, yeah, we will keep our eyes out for additional problems in any of those five states. I'm, I suppose I'm glad that so far anyway, it seems to be limited to Pennsylvania. We will report anything of note that we uh, find hereafter, as we often warn. A lot of the problems don't come to light until Uh, well after Election Day uh, sometimes, Uh, and in any event, we will uh, have the results of Tuesday's primaries hopefully on our next thrilling broadcast. Right now, let's take a quick break and we will head back up to Buffalo, New York for the President's remarks on Tuesday in response to the horrific white supremacist shooting that took place there over the weekend and a bit of news related to it that And our latest Green News report. Yay, Desi Doyen. Uh, That's all ahead on today's Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. Our nightmare election may be over, but new ones are on the way. Here at the Bradcast and Bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year around, like no other media outlet in the nation. But of course, we need your help to do it. Please stop by bradblog.com donate to make an automated monthly pledge of any amount you like, or even just a one-time only contribution to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. The fight for voting rights, civil rights, and to save our planet continues. Please help us continue that fight independently over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate right now. Go ahead, do it right now. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you.
2: In the New
1: York ooh, In the New York Indeed. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Just one point before we get to Joe Biden's remarks in Buffalo on Tuesday. As we reported very briefly on this program, as the news broke late on Wednesday last week, I think it was, even though I saw it get very little attention really anywhere else in the media thereafter, last week a federal appeals court in California in a two-to-one ruling struck down California's law barring those younger than 21 from buying semi-automatic weapons, finding the law to be an unconstitutional violation of our Second Amendment, declaring that a San Diego judge should have blocked what it called, quote, an almost total ban on semi-automatic centerfire rifles for young adults. Writing for the majority, Judge Ryan Nelson, a Donald Trump appointee, you'll not be surprised to hear, said, quote, America would not exist without the heroism of the young adults who fought and died in our revolutionary army. You know, back when a weapon had to be loaded by hand through the muzzle, one single projectile at a time. The judge wrote today, We reaffirm that our Constitution still protects the right that enabled their sacrifice, the right of young adults to keep and bear arms, allowing, I guess, anyone under the age of 21. I don't know, a four year old to buy a semi-automatic weapon under California law, handgun sales to those under 21 were already prohibited back in 2018. As after some of the nation's worst mass shootings were committed by young adults using rifles, including the Valentine's Day slayings at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, the following year, the state legislature in California acted to address what they saw as a loophole. After an April 2019 synagogue shooting in San Diego County when a 19-year-old armed with a semi-automatic rifle he had purchased with a hunting license killed a 60-year-old woman and injured three others, including the rabbi and an 8-year-old girl at Chabad of Poway. The state passed the law banning sales of semi-automatic center-fire rifles to anyone under 21 with exemptions for police or military. It was that law which was found to be unconstitutional just last week, allowing sales once again to those under 21. California Attorney General Rob Bonta's office is likely to appeal, but the ruling on Wednesday of last week came just three days before an 18-year-old an 18-year-old white supremacist in New York on Saturday would murder 10 and injure three others at a neighborhood supermarket in an African-American community in upstate New York. President Joe Biden mourned with Buffalo's grieving families on Tuesday and exhorted the nation to reject what he angrily labeled the poison of white supremacy. He said the nation must, quote, reject the lie of the racist replacement theory espoused by the shooter speaking to victims families local officials and first responders Biden said America's diversity is its strength and warned that the nation must not be distorted by a quote hateful minority he declared uh, quote evil will not win hate will not prevail and white supremacy will not have the last word he described this latest mass shooting Just one of them, unfortunately. We had another one here in Southern California on Sunday. Uh, He declared it to be, quote, violence committed in service of hate, calling it domestic terrorism. He also condemned those who, quote, spread the lie of racist so-called replacement theory ideology, quote, for power, political gain and profit. As Tucker Carlson and most of Fox News has as GOP House leadership like Congresswoman Elise Stefanik of upstate New York has, along with many others in her party. Biden said, quote, hate and fear have been given too much oxygen by those who pretend to love America. Here are the president's remarks on Tuesday in Buffalo.
0: Phil and I have come uh, to stand with you. And to the families, we've come to grieve with you. It's not the same, but we know a little bit what it's like to lose a piece of your soul. We you lose a son, a daughter, a husband, a wife, a mother, a father. The feeling of having that, as I said to some of you when we talk privately, you feel like there's a black hole in your chest you're being sucked into and you're suffocating, unable to — unable to breathe. That's what it felt like, at least to us. And I'm sure some version of that feels that way to you. The anger, the pain, the depth of a loss that's so profound. You know, we know it's hard to believe, and you're probably not going to believe it, but I can tell you now, from our personal experience and many others who we've met, the day's going to come — it will come — when your loved one brings a smile as you remember him or her, as you remember her, it's going to bring a smile to your lip before it brings a tear to your eye. It takes a while for that to happen. It takes a while. It might take more than a season. But our prayer for you is that that time comes sooner or later. But I promise you, it will come. As a nation, I say to the families, we remember them. We've been reading about them. We visit the memorial where to show the love for them and you've all shown by the supermarket. And uh, Celestine Cheney, 65 years old, brain cancer survivor, churchgoer, bingo player, went to buy strawberries to make her favorite shortcake, a loving mother and a grandmother. Roberta Drury, 32, beloved daughter and sister, Moved back home to help take care of her brother after his bone marrow transplant. She went to buy groceries for dinner. The center of attention who made everyone in the room laugh and smile when she walked in. Andre McNeil, McNeil, 53, worked at a restaurant. Went to buy his three-year-old son a birthday cake. His son selling a birthday, asking where's daddy. Catherine Massey, 72, a writer and an advocate, who dressed up in costumes at schools and cut the grass in the park and helped in local elections, the glue of the family and the community. Marcus Morrison, 52, school bus aide. Went to buy snacks for a weekly movie night with the family. Survived by, by his wife and three children and a stepdaughter. The center of their world. Hayward Patterson, 67, father, church deacon. Fed the homeless at the soup kitchen. Gave rides at the grocery store to neighbors who needed help. Putting food in the trunk of others. When he took his final breath. Aaron Solder, 55, retired Buffalo police officer for three decades. Three decades. Loved electric cars. Hero gave his life to save others on a Saturday afternoon. And had that man not been wearing that vest that he purchased, bulletproof vest, a lot of lives would have been saved a beloved father and husband. Geraldine Talley, 62, expert banker and known for her warm, gentle personality, a friend everybody, devoted mother and grandmother. Ruth Whitfield, 88, beloved wife, mother, grandmother, great-grandmother, sang in the church choir, a caretaker of her husband bringing him clean clothes, cutting his hair, holding his hand every day. She visited him in the nursing home. Heart as big as her head. Pearl Young, 77, a mother, grandmother, missionary of God, public school teacher, who also ran the local food pantry, loved singing, dancing, and her family. And all three are injured. Zaire Goodman, 20, shot in the neck, but fighting through it. Jennifer Warrington, 50, Christopher Braden, 55, both treated with injuries on a long road to recovery. Individual lives of love, service, and community. It speaks to the bigger story of who we are as Americans, a great nation, because we're a good people. Jill and I bring you this message from deep in our nation's soul. In America, evil will not win, I promise you. Hate will not prevail. And white supremacy will not have the last word. For the evil did come to Buffalo. It's come to all too many places, manifest in gunmen who massacred innocent people in the name of hateful and perverse ideology, rooted in fear and racism. It's taken so much. Ten lives cut short in a grocery store. Three, other wound, three or three other wounded by a hate-filled individual who had driven 200 miles from Binghamton in the, that range to carry out a murderous, racist rampage that he would live stream, live stream to the world. What happened here is simple and straightforward. Terrorism terrorism, domestic terrorism, violence inflicted in the service of hate and the vicious thirst for power that defines one group of people being inherently inferior to any other group. a hate that through the media and politics, the Internet has radicalized, angry, alienated, lost and isolated individuals into falsely believing that they will be replaced — that's the word — replaced by the other, by people who don't look like them, and who are, therefore, in a perverse ideology that they possess and being fed lesser beings. I, and all of you, reject the lie. I call on all Americans to reject the lie. And I condemn those who spread the lie for power, political gain and for profit. That's what it is. We've now seen too many times the deadly and destructive violence this ideology unleashes. We heard the chants, you will not replace us, in Charlottesville, Virginia. I wasn't going to run, as the senator knows, again for president. But when I saw those people coming out of the woods or the fields in in Virginia, in Charlottesville, carrying torches, shouting, you will not replace us, accompanied by white supremacists and carrying Nazi banners. That's when I said, no, no. And I honest to God, those who know me, Chuck, you know, I wasn't going to run for certain, but I was going to be darned if I was going to let anyway. I'm going to get going. Look, we've seen the mass shootings in Charleston, South Carolina, El Paso, Texas, in Pittsburgh, last year in Atlanta, this week in Dallas, Texas, and now in Buffalo, in Buffalo, New York. White supremacy is a poison. It's a poison running through our — it really is. Running through our body politic and it's been allowed to fester and grow right in front of our eyes. No more. I mean, no more. We need to say as clearly and forcefully as we can that the ideology of white supremacy has no place in America. None. And look, failure for us to not say that — failure in saying that, there's going to be complicity. Silence is complicity. It's complicity. We cannot remain silent. Our nation's strength has always come from the idea. It's going to sound corny, but think about it. What's the idea of our nation? That we're all children of God. All to life, liberty, our universal goods, gifts of God. We didn't get it from a government. We got it from because we exist. We are called upon to defend them the venom of the haters and their weapons of war, the violence and the words and deeds of the, the, they, that stalk our streets, our stores, our schools. This venom, this violence cannot be the story of our time. We cannot allow that to happen. Look, I'm not naive. I know tragedy will come again. It cannot be forever overcome. It cannot be fully understood either. But there are certain things we can do. We can keep assault weapons off our streets. We've done it before. I did it when I passed the crime bill last time. And violence went down. Shootings went down. You can't prevent people from being radicalized to violence. But we can address the relentless exploitation of the Internet to recruit and mobilize terrorism. We just need to have the courage to do that, to stand up. Look, the American experiment in democracy is in a danger like it hasn't been in my lifetime. It's in danger this hour. Hate and fear are being given too much oxygen by those who pretend to love America but who don't understand America. To confront the ideology of hate requires caring about all people, not making distinctions. Reverend, the scripture, is seeing that we're all part of the divine. Love thy neighbor as thyself. That's the America I know, that Jill knows, and most deserve the most — We de- look, we're the most multiracial, most dynamic nation in the history of the world. Now's the time for the people of all races, from every background, to speak up as a majority in America and reject white supremacy. These actions we've seen in these hate-filled attacks represent the views of a hate-filled minority. We can't allow them to distort America, the real America. We can't allow them to destroy the soul of the nation. As President of the United States, I travel the world all the time. And other nations ask me, heads of state in other countries, ask me, what's going on? What in God's name happened on January 6th? What happened in Buffalo? What happened? To ask. We have to refuse to live in a country where black people going about a weekly grocery shopping can be gunned down by weapons of war, deployed in a racist cause. We have to refuse to live in a country where fear and lies are packaged for power and for profit. We must all enlist in this great cause of America. This is work that requires all of us, presidents, politicians, commentators, citizens. None of us can stay in the sidelines. We have to resolve that here in Buffalo, that from the tragedy, this tragedy, will come hope and light and life. It has to, and that on our watch, the sacred cause of America will never bow, never break, never bend. And the American we love, the one we love will endure. So to the families, from your pain, may we find purpose to live life worthy of the loved ones you lost. From a hymn based on the 91st Psalm the sung in my church, May he raise you up on eagles' wings and bear you on the breath of dawn, make you to shine like the sun, and hold you in the palm of his hand. That's my wish for us. We can do this if we resolve to do it, if we take on the haters and those who don't even care. It's just about profit and politics. May the soul of the fallen, rest in peace and rise in glory. And may God guide the United States of America now and always. To the families, my grandpa used to say when I walked out of his home in Scranton, he'd say, Joey, spread the faith. And my grandma would yell, no, Joey. I mean, he'd say, keep the faith. My grandma would say, no, Joey, spread the faith. We're thinking of you. Hold on each other tightly. Stick together. You'll get through this, and we'll make Buffalo and the United States a better place to live than it is today.
1: President Joe Biden spreading the faith in Buffalo on Tuesday, grieving with family members and members of the community following the white supremacist shooting by an 18-year-old man. Of 13 victims at a Topps grocery store, killing 10 of them in the predominantly African-American community in the years since Charlottesville in 2017, when neo-Nazis who then President Trump described as very fine people chanted Jews will not replace us. Racist so-called replacement theory has moved from the online fringe to mainstream right wing politics, notes AP in its coverage today. A third of U.S. adults believe there is, quote, a group of people in this country who are trying to replace native born Americans with immigrants who agree with their political views. That, according to a poll conducted in December by AP, Tucker Carlson, the Fox News host, is one prominent TV person who accuses Democrats of orchestrating mass migration to consolidate their power. He said in August of last year, the country is being stolen from American citizens. That in one of more than 400 episodes, according to The New York Times, where Carlson has espoused the theory on the nation's top rated program on cable news. He repeated that theme a month later, saying that, quote, This policy is called the Great Replacement, the replacement of legacy Americans with more obedient people from faraway countries. Carlson responded to the Fuhrer on uh, Monday night by accusing liberals of trying to silence their opponents. His commentary reflects how this conspiratorial view of immigration has spread through the Republican Party ahead of this year's midterm elections, which will determine control of Congress. Facebook advertisements posted last year by the campaign of Congresswoman Elise Stefanik of New York said Democrats want a, quote, permanent election insurrection in all caps, unquote, by granting amnesty to illegal immigrants. You know, like Ronald Reagan did. The plan, as her ad claims, uh, would, quote, overthrow our current electorate and create a permanent liberal majority in Washington, unquote. Alex DeGrasse, a senior advisor to Stefanik's campaign, said on Monday, quote, she has never advocated for any racist position or made a racist statement. He criticized, quote, sickening and false reporting about her advertisements. Well, you be the judge. Stefanik is the third ranking leader. Of the House Republican Caucus, replacing Congresswoman Liz Cheney, who angered the party with her denunciations of Trump after the January 6 attack on the Capitol. Cheney, in a tweet on Monday, said the caucus leadership, quote, has enabled white nationalism, white supremacy and anti-Semitism. Setting aside what her father did, she is right in this case. She added, quote, history has taught us that what begins with words ends in far worse. It certainly did on Saturday in Buffalo. Green News Report is next. I'm Brad Friedman. Cheering us up with Green News Reports. <laughs> Welcome back to the Bradcast, Brad Friedman from Brad .com uh, before we get to it though you uh, you you had a comment uh, during the break that I we have a minute or I so had a for. couple of comments yeah, during the ahead. break
2: uh, one was regarding the uh, the shooting in Buffalo mm-hmm. and the uh, the white supremacist uh, ideology that's yeah. being spread by Tucker Carlson the and, great
1: replacement theory
2: yes and and it just seems to me that there is a tell here in the yeah. way that Republicans have been referring to this I mean they clearly assume that all immigrants are going to vote for Democrats why do they think that all immigrants would want to vote for Democrats? Is there something in Republicans' policies and the way that they talk about immigrants that makes them think immigrants might not want to vote for them? Yeah,
1: I know. That's one of the reasons why I had mentioned that was actually uh, when the, the last time there was Actual amnesty, which Democrats are not actually proposing, but when there was actual amnesty given to all uh, millions of immigrants, it was Ronald Reagan who did it. Yeah. You would think that that would make those uh, newly minted citizens. Happy with the Republican Party for having done so. You think you would also think, by the way, Republicans are always saying, "Well, you know, Hispanics are much more conservative than you think. They're anti-abortion, and they're, you know, they're very conservative." If that's true, and if they believe that, why wouldn't they want those immigrants to become citizens and vote for them? If that's true, so either they're lying about that. Or they just hate people who aren't white. Take <laughs> yeah. your pick at yeah, that point. Yeah, I mean,
2: you know, at some point your rhetoric is going to come back and uh, and reflect badly on you.
1: And by the way, there's another piece to that. The, uh, you know, since they're always talking about, uh, what was that dumb movie that came out recently from these uh, uh, voter fraud fraudsters, this 2,000 oh, Mules movie. Oh, yes, the movie, one that you did the they,
2: long debunking on a couple did, weeks ago, yes.
1: Where they, you know, pretend, oh, look, we've caught all of these people putting in... Uh, multiple ballots into drop boxes, never mind that they could be, you know, family members and, and so forth. It's perfectly lawful. But why are they assuming that they are voting for Joe Biden? Yeah. I mean, when all all of the evidence of the people who have so far been charged with voter fraud since the 2020 election, almost all of them have been Republicans who were voting twice with absentee ballots for their, you know, their dead mother or, you know, because they have houses in two separate states or something like that. Why do they they presume that everybody, even if those were illegal ballots and there is zero evidence of that, they seem to presume Oh well, see, we've we've we found ten thousand uh, illegal ballots. We don't know that they're illegal, but ten thousand. That means Donald Trump won Georgia. Well, how do you know that? How do you know any of those votes were for Joe Biden?
2: Right. And, of course, they don't. And they don't know that immigrants would vote for Democrats over Republicans. They just assume it. And because the the reality is that it's not actually about any of that. It's just othering immigrants. It's trying to find vulnerable groups that Fox News and Republicans can attack to give their base permission to then go forward and attack them. Because that's what
1: they do. That's That's all they they do. That's what they got. They got no actual policies.
2: Yeah. And I do have one last thing. Yes, please. (laughs) Regarding the the voting system failures in the primaries in Pennsylvania today. I just want to say I really wish election officials would have been listening to you at any time over the last 20 years when you warned them many times, hey, you need to move to verifiable hand-marked paper ballots and paper poll books or else this is going to come back and bite you in the ass. And it does every single election day.
1: I know. (laughs) I, believe nuts. me, I'm tired of hearing me talk about it. <laughs> and by the way, if nothing else, have emergency paper ballots on yes! hand. If, you're, if your voting system doesn't work, have emergency paper p- poll books on hand. If your dumb e-poll books don't work.
2: Right. It's not like, you know, they haven't been warned. But anyway, I digress.
1: You do. That's okay. Uh, what now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> our latest... Green News report.
2: New technology launched today is now mapping wildfire risk city to city and even house to house. New national study shows wildfire risk doubling across the U.S. over the next 30 years. Russia has deliberately decided to extend the military war against Ukraine into a war of
1: grains, a so-called wheat war.
2: Extreme drought and Russia's war in Ukraine risk triggering global wheat shortage. Plus,
1: everything that needed to be done ...was done to fix the power grid in Texas.
2: Texas electric grid struggles in extreme heat.
1: I thought it struggles in extreme cold.
2: It struggles in both. All of those struggles and more
1: straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman.
2: And I'm Desi Doyle
1: Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comments. All week their stories
0: were about down in Laguna. They said, you know, fire destroying multi-million dollar homes. Or as we call them in California, homes.
1: <laughs> yep. This is your Green News Report.
2: I'm gonna soak up the sun.
1: Okay, Dizzy Doyen. So Russia is not only using energy as a weapon, it's also using food.
2: Yes, yes, unfortunately it is. In Europe on Saturday, Russia cut off electricity to neighboring Finland in retaliation for Finland's decision to apply for membership in NATO because of Russia's unjustified invasion of Ukraine. Well,
1: that'll show them.
2: Russia had provided Finland with about 10% of its electricity. Germany announced it plans to stop importing Russian oil by the end of the year, even if European Union member nations fail to agree on an EU-wide ban in its next set of sanctions. Good. Also in Europe, unprecedented drought is threatening wheat crops in Spain, Portugal and France, forcing officials to institute water restrictions. France 24 reports that last week France endured its first flash drought, a sudden onset of intense dryness and extreme heat that dried out soil and crops in just five days. That dampened hope that French wheat exports could ease shortfalls in global grain supplies that are caused by Russia's blockade of Ukraine's exports.
1: A flash drought? Yes. Someone's making that up.
2: (laughs) Sadly, no, they're not. G7 leaders warned over the weekend that extreme weather damages, plus Russia's war in Ukraine, risk triggering a global food crisis. Why not?
1: Everything else is in crisis.
2: In New Mexico, the Hermit's Peak-Calf Canyon Complex Fire in northern New Mexico has been burning for 40 days and is now the largest fire in the state's recorded history at more than 450 square miles. Mm. The fire has destroyed nearly 500 structures, tens of thousands have been evacuated, Forecasters warn that fire weather conditions of extreme dryness, heat, high winds, and dry lightning will persist for days to come.
1: Any flash droughts?
2: And for the country as a whole, a new analysis of nationwide wildfire risk shows that man-made global warming will double the risk of wildfire across the entire United States. A first-of-its-kind analysis by nonprofit firm First Street includes a searchable database detailing wildfire risk that will be integrated into real estate websites. First Street found that at least half of all homes in the lower 48 will face an increased risk of wildfire over the next 30 years years, the typical span of a mortgage. Studies show that climate change is escalating the frequency and intensity of wildfires, and it is getting worse. Broad swaths of the country not typically associated with wildfires are already under increased threat, according to the analysis. But
1: they're going to put this information into real estate websites so that consumers can actually check The risk of fire if they're considering a new home?
2: Exactly. Good. Most at risk is Florida because of its thick vegetation, followed by California, Texas, Arizona, and Oklahoma.
1: Florida will make it illegal to show that on a real estate website.
2: I'm just betting the state of texas squeaked by in an early test of its rickety electric grid amid extremely early extreme heat officials begged residents over the weekend and again on monday to conserve electricity to prevent blackouts several major power plants were offline for scheduled repairs and maintenance to prepare for the brutal texas summer and then six power plants tripped offline over the weekend as the extreme heat rose triggering price spikes in the state's notoriously unregulated.
1: You know, I'm old enough to remember when Texas used to make fun of those California liberals because they couldn't keep the power on.
2: Speaking of California, on the last day of April, California hit a milestone. For a brief spell, renewable energy sources met 100% of California's electricity needs for the first time ever. Some of that power generation had to be curtailed because there wasn't enough battery storage and transmission lines to carry it. But briefly hitting 100% clean electricity in the nation's most populous state shows it can be done if we try.
1: Meanwhile, they can barely keep the power on in Texas. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyle. And this has been your Green News Report. I've been to spread the message. God bless Texas. Oh God bless Texas Yes please We kid Texas Because we love Texas It's your home state it After is. all
2: I, My family is still there So yes yeah. please Take good care of Texas
1: God bless them uh, You said you had A, a quick follow up You had noted That six power plants Went offline In Texas recently
2: Right And that was What has contributed To the grid instability There mm-hmm. in Texas During this heat wave And at first They did not know Why those power plants Tripped offline um, Usually it would be because the conditions are so extreme that the power plant is having a difficult time keeping up mm-hmm. and it breaks. Well, now we know. Apparently, ERCOT, the Texas grid operator, mm-hmm. told all of these plants that went offline that were offline for repairs and maintenance um, that they should go ahead and reopen faster before their repairs were finished. Why? And those six power plants broke.
1: Why did they tell them to get back online? Because they saw this heat because wave coming? Because they saw
2: the heat wave coming and they were uh, trying to procure enough energy supplies in advance so they said please go back into service and it turned out to be a mistake.
1: Maybe they should take them offline and do their maintenance, I don't know, a little bit earlier in the year. But that's the
2: problem. Climate change has moved up sooner so that the hot weather arrives faster, so their very narrow window of opportunity between extreme weather events has closed even more. Between
1: the time that it's failing because it's so cold or it's failing because it's so hot. Exactly. Oh, God bless Texas.
2: Everybody buckle up. It's going to be really hard for your power plant no matter where you are this year.
1: We got to get out. Yes. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyne, to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. Share it with your friends in Texas. <laughs> uh, you, uh, What else do I say here? Oh, that is made possible by those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us stay on your public airwaves so can, we can report on this stuff. bradblog.com slash donate. You can drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the TheBradBlog. We'll see you there until we see you here next time, hopefully tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. I've been sent to spread the message. Mm, God bless Texas.